Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Uh, This morning we're going to be continuing in this series, Tell Me Who I Am. And this morning, we're just going to kind of like, this is not really new news, right? It's just kind of like this morning uh, when I was getting ready, I got out my hand mirror and it was so dirty. So I took the time, I know, Jean, I know you know, um, I, I took the time to actually Windex it, like clean it off. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what I can see. So this morning, we just want to clean the mirror and take a look at it and see who we are. We just sang a lot about who God is. And now in this moment, God wants to say, now listen, this is who you are. And he says, I choose you. You know, when Jean tells me that I'm beautiful or I'm smart or I'm the best for him, all those things, I can conquer the world. Like I could literally slay a giant. How about you? How, how can you relate to that whole thing of um, wanting to be affirmed and valued and seen? And then can we say thank you without disqualifying ourselves or discounting the praise? Do we get tripped up by thinking that it's prideful We just wrapped up eight weeks getting together around tables down in the lounge with our table crews. And one of the questions Monday night was, what are your gifts and talents? And I think it's the place most of the tables sat most of the night. And I know at our table, people got a little bit squirmy and uncomfortable because I don't really want to talk about myself. Or maybe I don't know what my gifts and talents are. But we established that our gifts and our talents are God-given. Like God has given those to us. It's the way that he has wired us. But friends, I feel like too often we live out of words like broken, fallen, sinful. And while I believe it's really good to be aware of our humanity, let's not be driven by those words. Jesus died so that we would have life. And I don't know about you, but those words don't give me life. They do not inspire me to be a better version of myself. But do we live there? Like when Jean says to me, you're beautiful. I'm doing better at this, but my response used to be like, yeah, whatever. You're married to me, you have to say that. Or maybe he's trying to convince himself. Or when he says to me, you're really good at that. I can so quickly disqualify myself. Oh, like anybody could do that. Or, well, at least I can do one thing right. Do you have that inner dialogue? Do you listen to those voices, to those lies? to the self-condemnation. Maybe you've been told things like, well, 
you did it right this time, but man, you fail me so often. Or maybe you're not perfect, but you're good enough for me. It may be actually how you've been motivated in the past. Maybe by your parents. Maybe by a coach or a teacher. Maybe by your spouse. But it is emphatically not the voice of God, and it is not how he speaks and motivated. It is not how he sees us at all. Instead, he implores us to live by words like chosen, beloved, taken, plan A, and redeemed. He says, I choose you, and you, and you. See, accepting those words as truth is not prideful. It is not prideful at all. This is simply saying, I am a daughter, or you could say I am a son of the king of kings. So it is my identity. It is a matter of fact. Henry Nouwen in his book, The Life of the, Love of the Beloved says, when our deepest truth is that we are the beloved, and when our greatest joy and peace come from claiming that truth, it follows that this has to become visible and tangible in the ways that we eat and drink, talk and live, play and work. So now we're saying it's not just enough to believe those words. We have got to put them to action. You and I have got to pull the truth of Christ and who he is and who we are into the ordinariness of our life, into our everyday, what we are thinking, what we are talking about, what we are doing from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day. See, we're all invited into this relationship with Christ each and every one of us. And the beautiful thing is that to be chosen by Christ doesn't mean anybody is rejected. We've all experienced this in the natural world, right? When one person is chosen, at least one person is rejected, if not 20 or 30 or 50. But that is not how it works with Christ. The cross leveled the playing field. We are all invited. God's forgiveness and grace doesn't just cover my sins. It covers yours, all of our sins. All of people's sins are covered. And I want you to think just a minute for a kind of grace that forgives past, present, and future sins. Does that give you any kind of picture of your worth and your value your place as one of God's kids? In Ephesians 1, Paul talks to us about this whole identity piece, and Gene talked to us about this very scripture last week. He also sang you a song which I will not be doing, and you can be assured if I ever sing you a song, it will not be country. You know, I was doing good until he threw in the twang, and I was, I was out. But in this letter in Ephesians, Paul is talking to the church and he's not speaking to them about any specific issues like he does in much of his writing. He is, uh, this letter is meant to ground and shape 
and challenge the believers in their faith. See, God gives his church, you and I, he gives us extraordinary power to walk filled with the Holy Spirit. Revealing the nature of God in all things. So what I talked about earlier, bringing the truth of who Christ is and who we are because of him into the everyday, ordinary places of our life. Revealing God's nature. Which, what is God's nature? Anyone? Good. Looking for another word? Love. Love, love, love. So this scripture answers last week's question about who do you think you are? And he says, this is who you are, now go walk in it. Walk it out. See, if we choose to claim these words, the chosen, beloved, plan A, we're faced with a call to become who we are. It takes action on our part, and not works, but love in action, and Paul shows us here. So let's read, I'm just gonna read a few of the scriptures. Um, These will be in the Passion Translation, so it'll maybe sound a little different than last week. But he starts out by saying, my name is Paul and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers or all who are in Ephesus who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. So a couple notes. God is what makes us holy, not our works. And I want you to also notice here, Paul isn't given any energy into his past. He doesn't say, I know I was a huge jerk. I know that I persecuted you Christians and there's probably no reason why you should be listening to me. He doesn't give energy to that at all. He speaks with the authority of one chosen by God. He goes on to say, may God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Did you catch that blessing? We're gonna circle back to that in a little bit, but we go on in verse three. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus. Spiritual blessing, like forgiveness, redemption, grace, full access to the Father because we're his kids, full access through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, Wisdom, discernment, okay? All of those spiritual blessings because he sees us wrapped up into Christ and this is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Verse four, and he chose us to be his very own. I choose you, he said. Joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us or marked us with his love so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Friends, Jesus is God's mind made up about us. I'll say that again. Jesus is God's mind made up about us a long time ago. Now, I want to pause a little bit on this word chosen, and I want to just tell you, don't surrender this word to the world. Claim it as your own. Hold on to it as the truth, like it's the truth that you were chosen. It, it will become the bedrock on, on, this, on, on which you can build a life as his beloved 
But if you lose touch with this word, you expose yourself to all sorts of temptations. So again, we are walking out our life. We're living out of that place of being chosen. And sometimes it just takes a reminder. Sometimes it takes cleaning the mirror so we can see clearly again who we are. Sometimes it may mean putting reminders places. Um, Several years ago, probably more than that, the word chosen became really significant for me. And I have that written, um, I have it on, a, on my back, it's a tattoo. And it also has a scripture verse, John 15, 16, where he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now go bear fruit and ask anything in my name according to my will and it's yours. I have to remind myself, I have to remind myself sometimes that I am chosen and I wanna walk in that. Henry Nouwen also says in his book, as long as we allow our parents, siblings, teachers, friends, and lovers to determine whether we are chosen or not, we are caught in the net of a suffocating world that accepts or rejects us according to its own agenda of effectiveness and control, pulling us into the darkness of self-doubt, low self-esteem, self-rejection, depression. See, when I believe and I walk in my chosenness, I don't have to get, give any energy into being understood or consoled, loved or seen. I'm confident. I'm confident like Paul was here in his writings. I'm confident like I think a king or queen is confident. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I, I really liked the show The Crown. So I know everything about royalty because I watched that. (laughs) Now I wonder what the first thing is that just came to your mind as I put on this crown. I know when I mentioned it to Gene, he got a little nervous and he had a lot of questions. But I wonder, are you threatened by other people's confidence? I mean, you could assume it takes a lot of confidence to wear a crown in church. (laughs) Maybe right now you're thinking that you should probably remind me of all of my shortcomings. Remember, like, this is who you are. Like, don't get too proud. Maybe you think this is arrogant. Maybe you'd be okay if I just acted like a queen, but I didn't wear the crown, because this is really awkward. (laughs) Mm. Well, I don't plan to wear it. I don't know ever again. I don't know, it's the first time I'm wearing it. But I do want you to think a little bit with me what it might feel like if you accepted your place as the king's kid, as royalty. See, I don't think we have to tell people we're chosen. I don't think we have to tell people we're chosen by wearing a crown because I think that our posture of love is gonna show it. Now, I will tell you, I haven't practiced this very much, but I think my posture is going to show that I'm wearing a crown. I won't have to tell you because if I walk with this, I have to be very careful. I have to be very thoughtful and intentional with my walk. 
And I don't know how you are with judgment, but when I get judgy, my head makes some really pretty quick movements. But I can't be judgmental and keep this crown on my head because it's going to fall right off. Walking with a crown. It's gonna, we, we'll walk with authority, right? Our sense of belonging to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords brings us a calm and a certainty and a peace. Again, this is not for anything that we've done, but it's because he said, I choose you, you are mine. You, you have this great inheritance. And we'll remind each other when our crowns are crooked because we're all chosen. Right? We're all in this together. We're not competing. But what about the whole pride and arrogance piece? See, I believe that if love is our guide, if love is truly our posture, we're not going to misuse the crown. We're not going to misuse the authority. We can be confident simply because we are led by the Holy Spirit, because he has wired us, because he has gifted us, and he has made us his kids. When I walk as his beloved, I've died to self. That self-identity is gone. I don't compare. I don't compete. I celebrate you and your chosenness. I worship the Father, not self, I wear the crown. And when I do, here's what changes. When I walk in my chosenness, when I think and I do out of that place, embracing that identity, again, I'm not jealous because I'm chosen. And I don't compete. I don't want to be you. And not because you're not great, but because the world doesn't need two of you or two of you or two of me. The world needs us each to be individually and uniquely who God created us to be in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces. When I walk in my chosenness, I am unoffendable. Because you know what? I believe what God says over and above what any man says. I'm generous because I have more than enough of what matters. And again, I'm going to take you to the palace. Think about the extravagance of the palace and the many, many, many rooms of things and stuff. And I just think, is there an end? And God's saying, no, there's no end. There's way more where that came from. So just be generous. Be generous with your time, your resources, your energy. I've got more where that came from. When I walk in my chosenness, I am a peacemaker. I don't need to stir up trouble to be seen by man because I know that God sees me. And then when I'm in that place, I can help others see who they are and I can help to bring reconciliation where needed. I'm a servant to all, again, because this gift wasn't earned, it was given. It's my inheritance. And so I can serve and be served. I also love, respect, honor others always. And part of this is we're creating a legacy, right? In the kingdom, in the palace, because the littles are watching, they're learning how to do things. And I want love, respect, honor to be the legacy that I leave for my kids and their kids. And I will be careful with my words because I represent the king 
and I represent the kingdom. Friends, um, we're all in. We're all in. As a follower of Jesus, there's nothing more to do. We just receive you know, all the spiritual blessings we talked about, God's love, and then so walk out his love. We bring it in to our everyday, the ordinary places of our life. This was always his plan. Verse five, Paul says, for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt. The Aramaic actually use the word establish, which I like a little better. It was always in his perfect plan to establish us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. His grace plan is to be celebrated. He greatly endeared us and highly favored us in Christ. His love for his son is his love for us. I choose you. And notice it's a grace plan, it's not a guilt plan. This beautiful message of the gospel, of salvation, of redemption, of forgiveness, is this is not about telling people how lost they are. It's about reminding them about how loved they are. That is how we share the gospel. This is super abundant grace. It's powerfully working in us. Our destiny is that we would fulfill the plan of God and believe this wonderful news of salvation. See, the full transaction has been taken place. God chose us, he died for our redemption and we have this hope promise of a future inheritance. Can you and I make this amazing gift of salvation attractive to other people? This idea of being chosen and walking in that identity, can we make that attractive to our friends, our families, or maybe those that don't yet know Jesus? Maybe we'll look a little different. Maybe we'll hold ourselves a little bit differently if we choose to pull that identity, if we walk with our crowns, with our posture of love and our chosenness. See, I believe that when we embrace it, will affect others incredibly. Like Paul did in his greeting, you know, in that blessing part, I said we'd come back to that, where he blessed them after he identified himself, he blessed them. To bless and be blessed, we receive from God and then we give it away. We receive blessing when we're together. I've been blessed by many of you in, in our conversations, like you've spoken blessing over me. We receive blessing when we sit with Jesus, maybe reading his word, like in the Bible, maybe hearing it through worship, <clears throat> saying a prayer, but being attentive to the Holy Spirit and, and that voice of love, of peace, and of truth it's being reminded of who we are. And I can't ever talk about prayer without reminding you of the importance of silence. Yes, God wants to hear the desires of our heart. He wants to hear it not because he doesn't know. He wants to hear it because he wants to have conversation. He wants to have relationship with us. And so he's like, you can tell me anything you want as long as we're like chatting. So I encourage you, tell him the things that are on your heart and then shut up. 
just shut the pie hole and listen. Pause. And I think that as you sit in stillness, which we don't do real well, when we sit in stillness, we might actually feel a deep peace come over us. We might have a moment of clarity, like an aha moment, like, oh my goodness. We might have an image flash through our minds that, that gives us peace, clarity, whatever it is. We might have a burst of joy. But I think if we aren't still long enough to listen, we're gonna miss so much that will help us navigate our journey. So I challenge you this week to sit in stillness and listen. But back to this idea of blessing. Don't we all love blessing, like being blessed? Other people's words blessing us through, if it's through people, if it's through God. Um, and just like we are not motivated by the words broken, fallen, sinful, we're not motivated by curses either, which we could consider gossip, accusation, guilt, shame, but blessing, yeah, I would say that's motivational. And I think when we're in touch with our own place, living out of that truth of being chosen, it is so easy to bless someone else like to actually say it to them, like speak blessing and life over someone else. You know, to give someone a blessing is the most significant affirmation you can offer. I'd encourage you to try it. In a world with so many competing voices, we need to be a voice of blessing. So in a world where you can be anything, be a blessing, be a blessing. One last quote, when we hear within ourselves the voice calling us by name and blessing us, the darkness no longer distracts us. The voice that calls us the beloved will give us words to bless others and reveal to them that they are no less blessed than we are. Now listen, I'm not one of those moms that says everybody gets a trophy. If you know me at all, way too competitive for that. <clears throat> But in the case of Christ, we're all chosen. So we all win, everybody gets a crown. Everybody gets a blessing and everybody can be a blessing. Now I know some of you have, you have your ID, you have this identity piece all figured out. You know who you are, you know whose you are. Others of you are living out of that broken identity and it's affecting your marriages. It's affecting your relationships. It might be affecting your job. If you've identified with words this morning like broken, unwanted, just a mom, inadequate, misunderstood, dumb, outsider, unfaithful, plan B, ashamed. 
I want you to stand with me right now as the band comes up. And if you've identified with any of those words, or if maybe you have a different word that falls into that broken identity, I'd encourage you to hold it in your hands right now. Identify that word, that lie, and hold on to it for a moment. And I'm gonna read some truths and some blessings over you. But if today you want to choose to live from blessing instead of a curse, if you want to live today out of the identity of being chosen, not broken, I encourage you to take this step. And the prayer team is gonna be up front again during this last song. And I'd encourage you to come up and and get a blessing. Or if you need someone to help you pray through that transaction, I'd encourage you to do that. But again, as you hear the truth that can bury the lie you're holding in your hands, I encourage you to come up front. If you wanna make it a bit, if you wanna make it a public statement, or again, if you want somebody to pray with you, because some of these things are pretty hard to let go of. But close your eyes and listen for, for truth. God says you matter. You are loved by God unconditionally. His favor is on you and your children and their children. He sees you and he wants to use you as his light. The joy of the Lord is evident in you. You are radiant. Your eyes are the color of Jesus. Your authenticity validates others so they can be vulnerable with their pain. Your compassion is life-giving balm for the soul. Your faithfulness is a reflection of being aligned with God. It's supernatural. Your gracious attitude is a beautiful example of God's grace. Your peaceful countenance is attractive and inviting. God's strength flows from you. You are strong even when you feel weak. You are full and overflowing with God's wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. You are love and you bring hope through God's work in you. You are warm. People feel safe to be themselves around you. God, I thank you for the truth of who you are and then the truth of who we are because of that. Because of the gospel message that brings us freedom We can also walk in confidence because you have chosen us. And God, this morning as my friends have held out before you the lies,
God, I pray that you would cover them. Cover them with the truth of who you say they are. God, in their stillness, I pray that you would whisper truth, that you would reveal truth in ways that they wouldn't understand other than it coming from you. God, we give you all of our brokenness and we're so grateful that we don't have to carry it. We don't have to walk with it. You paid the price. It's over, it's done. We don't have to do anything else but receive it and then so walk in our chosenness. Number six, 24 to 26 says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.